I have lost control over everything, even the places in my head. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amudin, and today's quote of the week, let's break it down. First of all, it's from the book called The Girl on the Train, which you may or may not be uh, aware of. It may or may not be ringing a bell to you, but it was a huge hit, also movie adapted, uh, from 2015 by Paula Hawkins, British writer. And the reason I picked this one is because I'm currently reading The Whispers by Ashley Audrain, which we will be talking about. We're counting down the weeks to talking about that book with our friends from the Center for Equitable Library Access, Karen and Teresa. But anyways, in the meantime, I'm reading The Whispers. It's going so well. I'm talking about it nonstop to everybody that I know and have conversations with until one of my friends recommended this one, The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. So as soon as I read the synopsis for that, I was like, that's next in line. I go through these binge reads of psychological thrillers And I absolutely cannot stop. And the more digestible they are in time, which is, you know, 10-ish hours of an audiobook, the more I can get through in one of these craving sessions. So, you know, right now I'm really looking forward to this book. And what I... What I think I connect with or am so indulgent of when it comes to psychological thrillers is just this magnificence of getting to know the inside of someone's mind and I've said this before I appreciate so much authors and people with words who can put words into our feelings and our emotions you know just how our physical and mental sensations can be described out loud on paper and Sometimes it's the things we can't say out loud, right? When we're flipping into the actual characters and the actual people who are giving us these words, it's stuff that is so private, so personal, so intimate. And um, the vulnerability of being able to put this stuff as a diary or as a journal into these psychological thrillers because that's what we're getting we're getting to know characters throughout this 10-hour book not a terrible amount is happening plot wise of course there is stuff happening but what we're really getting to know is how you're going through it how you're processing this in your head and uh, the version of you that nobody else get to see not your neighbor's Not your family members, not your partners, but us, the reader, gets to see that internal part of you while you hold up that external wall and version of yourself. And so I'm just so fascinated. And Paula Hawkins, I'm assuming, is going to do an an amazing job with this. A lot of her fan base can say the same. And Ashley Audrain, in her second book, The Whispers, is doing a fantastic job also. Sprinting through the CELA homepage, if you go to celalibrary.ca, that's where you can find these three featured titles amongst an entire catalog of audiobooks and daisy books. The Whispers by Ashley Audrain is the first one up there. It's a suspense and thriller. The second one is The Wager by David Gran, and this is a historical. And the last featured title up there is The Misses by E.L. James, and that's a romance. 
When we come back, we're chatting with Sarah Hillis. She's got our Know Your Narrator of the Month, and we've got the final 2023 Audiophile Magazine Golden Voice for you. This is AMI Audiobook Review. You're listening to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And on the second week, the second episode of the month, we talk to Sarah Hillis, who brings us Know Your Narrator. And this is where we highlight, feature, and narrator in the world of audiobooks. And we get to know the fascinating lives uh, of the voices that we like to listen to and their backgrounds, and their passions for narration, and how they got there. So we've been going through the 2023 Audiophile Magazine Golden Voices, and we're on our final one this week. Let's listen to a sample of the voice. What a treat, before we get to know who this person is. Coming back to himself, to the room, becoming present, he really looked. Beth's lips were a thin line, her eyebrows in deep grooves, Miserable despite the praise, when praise seemed so much the point of the poems they wrote. To be clapped on the back, celebrated, turned into modern saints and martyrs. Sarah joins us now. Sarah, who are we featuring here? And is this a familiar voice to you? Well, this is Kevin R. Free, uh, and he's spelled like it sounds, F-R-E-E. And uh, it's not a familiar voice to me in the sense that I hadn't read a book narrated by him before now, uh, but uh, that was from The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor, and the audio is published by Penguin Random House Audio. Thanks to them for our permission to to use that sample. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin R. Free, um, I've just discovered it's it's a very good reason why he's been called a golden voice this year because uh, he's just he's just got a great sense of timing in his narration, and he's he can he can uh, embody characters very uh, very well and uh yeah he's he's a, he's a great uh, a great narrator i really do enjoy listening to him i enjoy his voice also um it's one of the voices where he doesn't already start with like a, a deep baritone and so i feel like his um if he chooses to his range can be everywhere but his default and his neutral just comes back to that and that i find to be pleasant to listen to as just a you know overall narration yeah no it's it's a it's it's a mid it's i guess a Mm -hmm. mid-range male kind of voice which uh which is you know full of expression and yet not uh ridiculously it doesn't go all over the place, but it's sure. not monotonous either. It's kind of no. Yeah. It's it's just a neutral tone that I really enjoy because you know with the the deeper baritones you're already uh, typecasting them to like <laughs> to play certain kinds of characters or uh, like villains. Private detectives. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. So with this one, I'm like, oh, I, I love where this starts. So tell us more. Um, how much is he actually narrated? He's narrated about 450 audiobooks in about 20 odd years. Uh, and um, that translates, I did some math, kind of rudimentary math. I'm going to sneeze. Okay. <laughs> He's narrated about 450 audiobooks. 
uh, over about 20 odd years, uh, 23 years, I guess, technically. And I, I got that to be about an average of 20 books a year doing my admittedly bad math. Uh, mm. And this is amazing because look, this is what he does for a living. All right. He's an actor. He's a playwright. He's a director of plays. And he's an artistic director for two theaters. Oh, wow. Uh, so he's quite busy. Yeah, he's very, Occupied. very, very busy. And uh, luckily he has a great manager that can slot all his projects in for him. But he has to read plays. He has to read books before he narrates mm. them. He has to like do so much prep and, and just keep going and going and going. He's like the Energizer Bunny or something. Mm. Uh, but that's because he loves it, right? Like it, no one just accidentally falls into all this stuff. Like he's really built himself into this world. Oh, yeah, he absolutely, like, when I look at his biography, I don't have, Kevin was born so-and-so, such-and-such. I don't have any of that. I have, this is what he does. This is what, uh, you know, he's he's sort yeah. of the work. Like, that's what he wants to show everybody is the work. And yeah. uh, he said that getting an audio file, Golden Voice, was the thing he's wanted so much for so long. Mm. Uh, because, I mean, he works really hard. He loves doing what he does. But he does work really hard, and he finds that this this um, honor has uh, is sort of validating to him. Like, and at the same time, it's humbling because he knows who else is on that list, like sure. Simon Vance or Davina Porter or or people like that. And um, he, you know, if he's just a little bit as good as he thinks they are, then he feels he's doing okay. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's that little. Um imposter syndrome kind of feel but I, I I mean when from the external perspective that's just wild to me because he's doing the most in this world where did he get a start did he have theater like a lot of the others yeah he basically started theater he, he trained as a singer uh in school didn't give us too much detail about that but in like high school he was training as a classical singer but his brother his older brother was an actor and he really he saw him in some plays and he thought, geez, I really want to do that. So he started acting as well mm -hmm. and uh, just basically, you know, launched himself as, as you know quickly as he could kind of into into all the world of Broadway and all that kind of stuff. Did a couple of Law and Order things. A lot of the New York actors seem to seem to end up on Law and Order doing doing a, a character yeah. or two, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And 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 just just so many different plays like lots of experimental work and and workshopping and and this kind of really creative stuff uh in in 2000 he was in a musical and he was ill while he was doing the musical but he had to keep doing it because you know the show must go the show on must go on and he was singing and he damaged his voice he got like a polyp on his vocal cords and had to have surgery mm. um and so he had to take a vocal rest for some months learn how to use his vocal cords again kind of thing after the surgery and interesting interestingly enough in 99 he had actually auditioned for audiobooks uh in 99 to do some audiobooks no one took him at that point but then in 2000 he needed to have some work but he couldn't do too much demanding stuff like theater at that point right. so he auditioned again at recorded books in 2000 and they took him for an urban romance novel uh, I don't really know what urban romance means, but apparently <laughs> is it's that, a genre. It's a, yeah, it's the newer, you know, it's the stuff I like reading. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. I'm assuming. Yeah, okay. And uh, then, uh, I'm so. I'm just making stuff up. Go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, romance in a city, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Okay. So then, then, then he he is a recorded book. Still, still hires him to do some work. Um, but he's gotten involved with lots of other publishing. Obviously, Penguin Random House uses him for some stuff, as we see with the Late Americans. And he's so he's narrated literary fiction like the Late Americans by Brandon Taylor, uh, mm. urban romance nonfiction like The Known World by Edward P. Jones, The Last Slave Ship by Ben Rains, which is this the sort of uh, discovery or rediscovery of the Clotilda, which is the, the final ship that came after emancipation had happened, but this, the slave traders were trying to get away with it sort of thing um, to, to America. Yeah, so, um, so he's done a lot of different uh, stuff, uh, which is really cool. And uh, he, he says that in audiobook narration, he feels that they see the whole person in him. They, they, see, they, they allow him to experience his whole self, and they see him as a, a full human, not just as a guy that looks black or a guy that looks, you know, middle-aged or a guy that looks whatever age he was, you know, because in theater you have to kind of play to your to your looks and your body and the physicality of yourself, right? But in audiobooks, you can do whatever because you just you have a voice and you can make your voice be what it needs to be. And uh, he, he really loves that. What a fascinating point. I feel like we've never brought this up, but it's so true. The kind of embodiment that you're talking about, because, you know, with physical theater and, and actually being a person that embodies a character... That comes with a lot more, obviously, right? Like the physical characteristics and gestures and such and such. And and not to mention like, you know, encompassing a space around you to make that happen. But with books, I think some of the um, narrators you talked about, you know, mentioned like proximity to the microphone or, or feeling like they're physically involved, like bringing their entire body into it or, or maybe lack of because they're theater people. Um, but this part of it where you're just taking a voice and that's really all you need to make us get there like to take us to these places with these characters and then multiple characters like that's so fascinating as a concept yeah i think it's really uh it's really a great a great thing to think about he talks about he he uses Celine Dion as a as a reference point. She she's Who talked wouldn't? about <laughs> I know. She's talked about, you know, embodying the character of a song. That's what she this like that's what she does when she interprets a song, right? And uh, so Kevin Arfrey decides, well, I'm gonna have to embody the character of this book. So whatever the book is like, mm. I need to get to grips with that and bring it through with my narration because it's not about me it's about the book right mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so he he's really into that um he he says during action sequences he gets a bit excited and he talks really loud sometimes mm -hmm. and he has to uh redo them because he, he gets too excited because he's too trying excited? to make a movie with his voice right he's trying to sort of you know i'm, I'm getting into this so so yeah. much and then they're like, well, the VU got a little loud there. <laughs> uh -huh. So he going back to that point of like creating a world with your voice. Is it kind of like the same as saying you got a vase for radio? Like it, it's that you don't necessarily need to prove any other part of yourself to get this talent in or to see people um, for that talent alone and nothing else. I'm yeah, kind of, kind of like that. Well, he says like there are there are there are characters in American theater that I will never get to play, even though mm. I really love to, like a woman or you know or or like I don't know 
maybe he wouldn't ever get to play Willie Loman or something from Death of a Salesman. I don't know, like really classic characters that people would say, we need this look for this character and you're not it. Right, because it's very mm-hmm. unforgiving. Those, right, those, right. Uh, those those businesses sometimes, right? It's like of this course. is <laughs> this is what we want, and you're not that. Not and, to mention the uh, pressure, right? Like you know how now there's graphic novels made into audiobooks, and as he's saying, children's book made into audiobooks, where you're not getting the other elements um, potentially. Now, obviously, if you're coming from a blind low vision perspective, you're thinking, yeah, great access to audio, right? Audio versions of these. Um, products or these art forms but then there's people who are like yeah but this is a limited version of right like you're not getting the illustrations you're not getting the graphics yeah and he he doesn't see it that way at all he he loves reading books for kids that are illustrated because he's able he he tries his best a they're very joyful usually they're very bright bright colors and and, Mm. and just just good narrative and he tries to again embody the spirit of the book in his narration so even if you can't see the illustrations he's trying to show you how cool the book is like if you were to look at it you'd be like oh that's neat you know and he's trying to make it sound that way he loves reading kids books he loves reading juvenile fiction juvenile fiction rather and uh he loves um because of the joy in it right uh, he tries to find the joy in every book he reads, but sometimes there's not a lot of joy. So he tries to infuse it with the fact that he's happy and joyful to be narrating a book, oh, wow. you know, like what it might be so that there's always some joy there. He feels in his mm. voice. Now, when we talk about like his background in theater and him wanting to, you know, get into this side of things and even going back to his um, wanting to be like his brother and all that, there's this, growth mindset that comes with um being good at just one thing right like he's obviously because he's done so many audiobooks and because he's being so recognized now like this is a big part of his identity uh so does he talk about that like being able to learn through the process or learn through mistakes or feedback or any of that kind of thing yeah he he does he he certainly um theater has has helped him with audiobook narration because he he's been involved in like um, collaborative play uh, playwriting like workshopping and stuff like that and people get really like uptight about what they've done like well, I did this is how I want it to be done and mm. if you, you know and he sort of realized in the end that the work is the important thing and not what you think about the work like that you did it's it's everybody's work and so right. because of that he uh, he's he's more able to to take himself out of the equation as it were in the audiobook narration process. It's about the book. It's about the author. It's about, uh, you know, so he, he, that that's helped him. He's, he's had some good directors. Um, he's, he's learned a lot from the late Catherine Kelgren, who was a great, uh, great narrator. We haven't touched on her yet, but, uh, um, they did the Kane Chronicles by Rick Reardon together, and, uh, and she she sort of showed him how to be an actor that's a narrator. So you take all the physicality that you think that this character is going to use, and you don't use it yourself because you're in, behind a microphone and everyone's going to hear everything. Mm-hmm. But you sort of <laughs> push it into your voice. It's a it's a weird. I can't even understand how that works. But that's what he described it as. You sort of take all that physicality and then channel it through your voice in this weird way Um, interesting he he talks about things like well this person had crazy hair what would a person with crazy hair sound like you know (laughs) he uses so many different characteristics to to uh to 
to to create his character voices and what he tends to do is get a little cartoonish about them at first mm. and then and then the directors or himself will just learn more about the characters and kind of say well let's make them a little more human a little less over the top right and then then he comes to where he needs to be but it, he starts really big because he's an actor right he's going to start big mm. and then he kind of pulls it down to to audiobook register kind of thing yeah 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 well, to the storytelling aspect of it which is I mean, it's exemplary that he could even describe this process as it is because it sounds very, very specific. Uh, and then being able to use that across the board because he's not just reading history. He's not just reading nonfiction. He's also reading children's books and he's also, you know, the <laughs> running a theater. Like there's there's so much going on. Um, and I wonder if that's what keeps it exciting, like where you can really act through this does he have relationships with authors does he yeah, make he, a point he, of having he these? does yeah some some publishers actually would ask him to to get with the author and discuss the book a little bit before they go doing the narration uh and like he's had uh martha wells who does the murder bot series not, not a series i know Mm-mm. but uh it's it's about a, a sort of half organic robot that like uh is a murder bot that's that it murders people basically but it gets into these other situations where it has to learn more about itself and not be just a murder bot anymore kind of thing and so he narrates so he needed her to tell him how to say some names and and what kind of person the the robot is you know like mm-hmm. what what's its pronoun you know and she said well it's an it it's an it it knows it's an it you know that's and that helped him, he said. And and Brandon uh, Taylor too, who does the late, who did the late Americans here on our, on our sample, he he talks to him a lot too about his books because he uses crazy, like interesting. I don't mean crazy, but interesting names and interesting you know things and and references and literary references. And he needs to know how to say them so that he doesn't sound dumb when he's re- when he's reading the novel right. to other people, right? who know these things, right? Yes, yes. So, yeah, he, he he used to hang out with them on Twitter, and now that's more of an Instagram thing, I guess. But, mm. uh, yeah, and he's, and he's certainly happy to work with directors, too, and sometimes the directors can really help him because, like, in The Last Slave Ship, for example, he it's a very, it's dear to his heart, like, that whole interest in in this the history of, of, of slavery and, and the end of it and stuff mm. is, is very interesting to him, and, and he's passionate about it. There were parts of the book that made him really mad and so he's reading the book but he's he's can't keep his emotions out and and he said i had to redo a lot of that narration because i was going too fast i was getting right. too passionate about everything yeah <laughs> isn't that um also something to think about right like the emotions like you can feel very carried away you and i have talked about this like we're reading we're listening to something and we feel so engulfed by the emotions that the narrator is bringing to us but you know how do they deal when they have to read through that like do you have to pause and take a break or you just have to you know tell yourself hey i'm still narrating like i am not the the person uh who can cry through this or or go through the emotional overwhelm that's for the reader for him it's just it's just retaking i think for the most part when he starts a book he tries to listen like he records like four minutes of the Mm -hmm. opening and he goes is this what i really want to do and then usually it is i think and he keeps on moving but if it's not he changes it but uh right yeah so he's a listener he likes to listen to what he's doing as he goes and it's kind of like a 
uh, not necessarily a difference in process, but just the way that people internalize, I guess. Because sometimes you just want to lay it out there and and hope that you know the the art comes out right. It's like it's like writing um, a stream of consciousness kind of thing, right? Like where you're just doing what it is and seeing how t- uh, it turns out, like that first take of recording a, a vocals on a track or something. Um, but mm. then after you listen back, now you're nitpicking. Now you're doing, you're prepping for a second draft. And there's, I think, pros and cons that come with each. Um, because when that first take of something, that's like probably the most organic you'll get. And then after that, you're just tweaking and tweaking as you go. Oh my god, amazing. Okay, so before we wrap, anything else you want to say um, about like how he chooses books or what he enjoys presently about being an audiobook narrator or where he's at? He he just tries to fit this in wherever he can. This is the thing. Like he's got so much work to do and he like he'll take he'll take a couple weeks between theater gigs and narrate like two books in mm. those couple of weeks kind of thing. He he just shoves them. So he's not going to stop. Like he's still going to do tons and tons of books every year right. in the middle of all his schedules. And he loves doing it. He, he just, it's, it's just, he just loves it so much. He loves that he got a golden voice thing. He doesn't think it's like one of those lifetime achievement award things or anything. He, he <laughs> thinks it's just, thank you for, for recognizing me. Yeah. And yeah. That's lovely. Well, this was a really great conversation. I'm. I feel like we really got to know Kevin because um, he's just put so much of himself out there as as behind the scenes. Sarah, thank you for researching. Yeah, no problem. All right, we were featuring on this month's Know Your Narrator, Kevin R. Free F R E E, as one of the 2023 Audiophile Magazine Golden Voices, and that's a wrap for this week's episode of AMI Audiobook Review. I'm your host Ramia Amudin. Technical producer for this show is Nasreen Abdelmajid. We were with our Know Your Narrator contributor Sarah Hillis, and until next week, happy audiobook listening. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.